I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy and I'm a quilter and welcome to episode 89 in which we talk texture with Jay. I am on vacation even as you're listening to this, so there is no Sandy update, except hopefully I'm having fun. I do have a little bit of listener feedback, a little bit that I actually got in right after I'd finished recording what you know as last week's episode, which in my world I only recorded about an hour ago, so I've got a a small handful of comments to share with you, Um, but then the rest of the episode will be the conversation with Jay. So the listener feedback, Cindy of Fluffy Sheep Quilting said, you know you're a quilter when you're two hours late to a friend's wedding because you had to attend a quilt guild meeting first. (laughs) Cindy, we're glad you have your priorities straight and we really hope that your friend has forgiven you by now. So thank you so much for that. Uh, Steffi, or Steffi, I'm not sure how to pronounce it because she is German, uh, said she wishes that I hope uh, she sends me good Um, wishes for my trip to Europe with my husband. And she says, by the way, I'm afraid you have to change, shorten your intro in a few weeks again. Never taught a class won't be true after you do the paint stick class in your guild. (laughs) After entering a quilt in a quilt show, teaching a class, what comes next? Writing a book. (laughs) I guess you're right, actually, Steffi, that um, I will have taught a class. Although, you know, it's just my guild peeps, so I'm not sure I entirely count that in the big grand scheme of, of of the um, whole teaching quilting classes, but we'll see how I feel after it's done. If they really work me over during it, maybe I will actually feel like I've taught a class, Uh, but I appreciate that. And I will think about that. But in terms of writing a book, um, no, bite your tongue. Okay. Sharon, Sharon says, uh, I've just discovered your wonderful podcast. She has loads of fun listening. Um, And she says she can relate to them and feel we must have been separated at birth. Um, I have a lot of sisters. As far as I know, none of them were named Sharon, but hey, I'm always willing to keep an open mind on that. And glad you're enjoying the podcast. Thank you. And glad you're on board. We always like new listeners. Woohoo. And Tori said, this was actually a a comment that Tori had left a little bit a while ago, but I think it's one of the ones, if you remember in my last episode, I mentioned that I'm having problems with um, my email address that was attached to my podcast account was not sending me all the notifications. And so this was one of the ones that I just happened to discover today. So Tori, thank you for commenting. And she says, Quilting Karma today. She was listening to my podcast as she was coming into work. And she had been just thinking about her daughter who flew back to Raleigh that morning to attend the last five year weeks of her junior year at, yes, North Carolina State. This, um, just as an editor's aside, she posted this comment on my episode where I talked about going to the Textiles of Exile exhibit at North Carolina State. Uh, Tori said, my dad used to get after me to go to the art museum at Duke when I was a student there. Now I'll send my daughter the link to check out the art museum at North Carolina State. She's not a fabric person. She is a biomedical engineering major, but rotary cutters freak her out. <laughs> Does not 
bode well for her future. Um, and she says one of her best friends is in the College of Textiles, so that may be incentive for her to go. I really hope you can convince her to go. I found it very moving. Um, I really enjoyed the exhibit. So let me know how that goes. So thank you for those comments. And again, since I'm on vacation, for those of you who are commenting on episodes as they're posting while I'm gone, I will catch up with your comments when I get home. I am also going to go ahead and give you my contact information now, and then the rest of the episode will simply be, purely be, my episode with Jay. Pure Jay. That's what we can call this episode. So you can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z, which is how I spell my handle on just about everywhere I am on the internet, quilty related, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. So you can follow me on Twitter and Pinterest and Goodreads and Seamed Up and all sorts of other places. Um, you can also like the Facebook Quilting for the Rest of Us group. You can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us group on Flickr and the one in Seamed Up. And in both Flickr and seamed up. I also have donation quilt groups started, so please go ahead and join those as well and post your pictures of any projects you've done or give or get ideas for great designs, patterns to use for donation quilting. You can also join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team. You'll find links for all of that and all sorts of other good stuff. Check out all the tabs on the website for this podcast at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And now, after you've finished listening to my conversation with Jay about texture, go get your quilty on. Alrighty, once again, I am back with Jay. Hello, Jay. Hi, Sandy. Okay, I think we're talking about texture this time. We led into it a little bit last time when we talked about patterns. So what do you want to tell us about texture? Well, of course, the first thing I want to say is that texture is another element of design. And in terms of the definition... Texture is the way something feels to the touch or the visual patterns on a surface. Texture is an actual or simulated textile quality. And texture is the surface and tactile quality of an object. And some, some of you might have heard the term kinesthetic. For example, some people say, oh, I'm a kinesthetic learner. Well, kinesthetic has to do with touching things. And my son is a kinesthetic learner, and I could, when he was a baby, never figure out why he had to touch everything and put it in his mouth. And finally, when I figured out he was a kinesthetic learner, I realized all the pieces put into place. So if you can feel it, it's texture. It has texture. My sisters and I used to talk about when we were playing Yahtzee, we all wanted to hold the dice in our hands and not put them in the cup. <laughs> it was it, That's kind of what it had to do with. We needed to be able to actually physically touch the dice that we we're rolling. So Interesting. And <laughs> um, so texture and pattern are very closely related, as we mentioned briefly last time. And if you didn't, if it's been a while since you listened to pattern, you might want to go back and listen to it or read the last bit of my blog post under note kind of that's our transition into texture from pattern there are two types of texture and you might remember these from pattern because they're very similar the first one is amorphous which is organic and curvilinear or it looks like stuff in nature and structural rigid and geometric it looks architectural or man-made 
looks, I should say feels, right? right? So here's some things that I've thought about in terms of texture and read about. Texture is usually appreciated through our sense of touch, which is kinesthesia. Architecture and sculpture employ actual material that have tactile texture. Now, you can also see, museums probably aren't going to let you feel texture in some paintings with very thick paint usage, such as Wayne Tubo's work. Or um, there's also some Van Gogh paintings that have very thick paints on them. And think about marble. If you see a floor or wall sometimes in older buildings, I always want to touch those. Mm-hmm. I can't believe they feel as smooth as they do because of some of the, the patterns in them, but they always feel so smooth and cool. Some things I wanted to use to evoke a feeling of texture in your mind, I'm just going to rattle them off. Silky smooth satin. Roughness of coarsely woven linen. And then there's bold or subtle, feathery or sharp, tactile, actual in imitation, cotton versus wool, satin versus velvet. And one thing to remember about quilt making is when planning a large quilt, its textural quality will add visual interest to the design at close range and will have much less impact at a distance. I've noticed. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say when you were talking about um, feathery and and sharp, it immediately brought to mind. I think I mentioned this once before. My mom had made a uh, New York Beauty style quilt that had very very long pointy rays to each of the the half moons, and I remember my mom telling me that my dad refused to sleep under that quilt because it looked too sharp and pointy to him. <laughs> I mean, that was very much exactly what visual texture is. Of course, it doesn't feel sharp and pointy, but that's just the feeling he got from it because that's the the visual texture that that came out. Yeah, it's it's very interesting to think, roll those words over in your mind. When, When I said feathery, I could actually feel what feathers feel like on my fingers, even though I have no feathers in my workroom. Right. So the, the last part, I was thinking about some of the fabrics that people are using now in their quilts, like linen. Linen is more coarsely woven, which is not to say it's burlap, but it's more coarsely woven than cotton. And it gives texture to the patches in your quilt, but you're not going to be able to see them if you're galloping by on a horse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're not going to see them at close range. So it's good to think about looking at your quilt from different distances or your viewers looking at your quilt from different distances and giving them a bonus if they look at it from different distances. And one way you can do that is through texture. I remember commenting to um, my friend Kate when we were in at the Mid-Atlantic Quilt Festival looking at some of the quilts that I had read somewhere, and I don't remember where this was, that the the mark of a truly wonderful quilt is one that keeps drawing you in, that you keep noticing more and more the longer you look at it. And I'm struck as we're talking today about one quilt that I did see there that was made with um, Dupony silk, Dupony, however you pronounce that, silk. 
And from a distance, no, you couldn't see it. I could tell that there was just something a little different, but I didn't know what it was. And it wasn't until I got right up on it that I could see it was made from that silk. And it was kind of a nubby, wonderful silk. And when you leaned back and forth, you would see a slightly different angle. And that's exactly what that means is the, you know, the texture itself was not visible until I walked right up on it. And that, that's a great example. I strive for that when I make my quilt. I want mm-hmm. people to be rewarded when they look at it in different ways. Right. On to some notes. Okay. The central distinction between texture and pattern seems to be whether the surface arouses our sense of touch or merely provides designs appealing to the eye. In other words, while every texture makes a sort of pattern, not every pattern could be considered a texture. And this is another thing to keep in your mind to distinguish between pattern and texture. And remember I said last time that sometimes pattern is called visual texture. Well, and I I love the line about where it arouses our sense of touch. You know, there's some quilts you look at that you just find your hand heading towards them because you just need to feel it, which obviously we're not allowed to do in quilt shows. (laughs) And other ones, you just kind of, yeah, you can look at it and say, well, I really appreciate that, but it doesn't arouse that same sense of, I need to get my hands on that one. So when we make our sawtooth star quilt, we'll have to put some pearl cotton. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. A big stitch pearl cotton. <laughs> Tactile texture is the way the cloth feels when you touch it. For example, the difference between satin and burlap. And visual texture is the way the cloth looks, from the printed or woven patterns, such as subtle brocade, to a bright and bold Hawaiian print. So here's where you could completely get rid of the word pattern in the elements of design and just use tactile texture and visual texture. Not everyone thinks of these elements the same way, and this is a good example A bold visual texture will automatically become a dominant feature when placed with more subdued prints and solids. So again, back to Philip Jacobs' print, if you put a bunch of his fabrics together in large pieces like some of the modern quilt makers are doing, those fabrics are going to dominate. And... There might be a little bit of visual chaos, but if you put one large iris, for example, or one of his large roses in the middle of a quilt and then put some more subtle prints around it, it will be the focal point. Um, Visual texture is implied. There's no actual tactile feel to it. Instead, it has a print on it, which makes the surface look as though it has a print which you can feel. And I hope that made sense. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in other words, yeah, visual texture is not something you're going to be able to reach up and touch. When you reach up and touch it, you realize, no, it feels like every fabric around it. But the print itself or the fabric itself has some quality to it that makes it look like it's going to feel different. Right, and you mentioned plaid, I think, and sometimes those... Scottish plaids really do have a feel. They seem to have used different threads mm-hmm. to make plaids. Whereas if one of those is reprinted for the quilt market, 
it's just going to feel like our regular quilt making fabric feel. And going on, pattern again is sometimes thought of as visual texture. And texture allows subtle changes in the surface design. We're going to talk a little bit more about surface design in a minute, but that can be adding big stitch and pearl cotton to your quilt, for example. Pattern and texture are often used interchangeably because of the whole visual texture aspect and a pattern might give a surface the appearance of texture. But if they're different, as we've talked about, texture really, you can really feel it. And textures have a distinct repeating arrangement that creates a pattern, which adds to the confusion. But pattern, again, doesn't have a feel necessarily. So this is, this is a great way to think of three different parts of design. You draw a line, you close it to make a shape, and then you fill it with texture. Quilt makers work mainly in the opposite direction. We choose the texture of our fabric, we cut out the shapes, and then we add line with stitching and thread. But if you think about drawing a line, closing it up to make a shape, like you draw a circle, for example, then you fill it with cross-hatching. You can understand three of the parts of design that we've talked about, except for shape, which we will talk about. Right. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I was also thinking about um, one of the things I've been doing while I've been on sabbatical is trying to teach myself how to draw again or get more confidence in my drawing, I guess. And And one of the segments I just went through was all about texture and how just the way you group your lines or the way that your lines are shaped, you can create completely different visual texture from sharp and pointy to curvy just by how that line works. And obviously in quilting, we can do exactly the same thing. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great example. That's something that I always admire in Danny Gregory's work. Have you ever seen his work? No, but I'm writing down his name now. <laughs> he does a lot of, pen and ink drawings, so they're just black and white, but he puts a lot of texture in in different ways. He will fill something in with little dots or cross-hatching or, I don't know, I'm so fascinated by his work, I love it. He often draws his breakfast, <laughs> which I think is so awesome, but you can see like the little flakes of croissant or the the bubbles in the foam of his latte or his coffee. It's I'm just fascinated by his work. He has a blog. I think it's DannyGregory.com. I'm not positive about it, but a lot of his drawings are all about texture. Well, and, and coming back to fabric, I think of Ruth McDowell's work. Now we already had a Ruth McDowell love fest on another. <laughs> episode so i don't know if we go there again yeah we don't need to go there again but the way that she uses all commercial fabrics but the way that she places them in the fabrics she chooses creates the texture then of the image that she's conveying yes yes you can't get away from her work no No, you can't i mean not you but (laughs) and again people out there if you don't know ruth mcdowell go Go get to know her yeah. Okay, back to I I've lost track of what we were talking about before I got interrupted by my Ruth McDowell thoughts. Um 
we were talking about draw line clothes right, 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 right. with texture, which I'll just say again because it's so, such a great line that I did not make up. It's from <laughs> Rick Kennard. She thought of it, and I thought, awesome. Right. So on, I want to talk about fabric a little bit. Many fabrics have text tactile texture and we've mentioned velvet and brocade and different kinds of woven we as quilt artists mostly use cotton fabric specifically made for quilting these fabrics have a polished surface with no tactile texture we rely heavily on the visual texture that is derived by the motifs printed on the surface of the fabric you can change the texture of your fabric however by manipulating it Fabric, even fabric with only visual texture, can be scrunched, wrinkled, pleated, folded, salted, twisted, or a multitude of other things done to it to add to what you want your work to say. So if you don't want to use velvet or satin or whatever because they're a pain to sew with, scrunch or salt or pleat. And I think that's that there have been some books out recently about this. I seem to have something in the back of my head about that. Yeah. Um, and I made a quilt actually called Change of Seasons, which I'll put a link to or a photo up, where the the trunk of a tree is scrunched, and then I starched or something, the living daylights out of it, so it's really <laughs> nasty to the feel, but it looks like a trunk of a tree. <laughs> well, and I, I think even, you know... It, Things like putting your um, fabric, uh, the yo-yos and the things that add the dimensional aspects to quilts, that's also a visual texture thing, too. You're, you're creating something tactile on your that's quilt. That's a great example. I didn't think of that, but that's great. Yeah. So texture provides interest and variety. It can add realism to a landscape to landscape portrait and animal quilts. It also helps delineate space. We need to see when the perimeter of one section ends and another begins. And we often achieve this through contrast in color and value. But you can you can achieve it through a contrast of textures as well. So let's say we use your Dupioni silk examples. Let's say there's a square of that and then a square of regular cotton. Even if they're the same colors, you can tell where the sections start and begin because they're such different fabrics. Hmm. Maybe not on a galloping horse that right. going by, but... Well, you know, that that reminds me of, and I don't think this is the style anymore, but probably about 10 years ago, the big fashion in home decorating was painting stripes on your wall, but using the same color, but one would be a, a flat paint and then the next stripe would be a gloss. So it wasn't the color exactly the same, the stripes exactly the same, but the visual texture was different because one was matte and one was gloss. And your example of the Dupioni silk and the cotton is exactly the same thing. Great, great example. So I wanted to talk a little about texture in general before we get to the use of texture in quilt making. Texture helps define the design and contribute to its success. Use of texture can suggest movement, such as spiral quilting lines, add swirls and shapes in the sky, long wavy diagonal quilt lines can suggest motion and contribute to the idea of flight. The size of 
thread can make part of a quilt stand out as echo quilting. I put in these quilting examples, but we really are talking about texture in general. Mm-hmm. Um, use of texture can add dimension too. Rocks can look rounder, can emphasize cracks, can suggest water in motion by using metallic thread. You can give the impression of depth by overlapping a pattern on something. And Okay, is this a place where also maybe things like, as I've been experimenting lately, uh, fabric paints can come in, that as you create your shapes, you can then also create some visual texture through with fabric paints or something like that as well? Some of the paints, they become more part of the fabric, so you can't really feel them, but they do give visual texture. Mm-hmm. Um, some paints, add something to the surface so you can actually feel them if you touch them. So that's something to keep in mind if you are playing with embellishment techniques is are you shooting for a visual texture or are you shooting for a physical texture because it may change what techniques or what um, actual tools you use then. Correct. Okay. This this brings up, there's a type of quilt, I think they're called therapy quilts, and I read an article about it recently, but I can't remember which magazine I was reading, where you do different things to the fabric so that children with different autism spectrum issues can get a reaction by feeling the quilt. So it might calm them down or it might remind them to do something. I don't know a lot about these kind of quilts, but I think I thought that was a very interesting idea. Hmm. Maybe put it on a podcast. I don't know. So much media coming in, <laughs> not too much coming out. <laughs> if I come across it again, I will. Um, I'll make a note so people will know about it. Okay. And maybe somebody else knows, or they remember hearing about that. So I had so much fun thinking about use of texture in quilt making. The most obvious is. Piecing. And piecing in and of itself creates visual edges with shadows on a quilt top. A whole cloth quilt will have a much flatter look than one with seams or applique. And here we go with our Ruth McDowell love fest. Okay? <laughs> um, her book, Piecing and Expanding the Basics, she says, In order to sculpt the surface of a quilt, I like to be in complete control of the seam allowances. When the quilting is done on the background, close to the seam, the patch under which the seam allowances are pressed can be lifted from the surface of the quilt by the extra padding provided by the seam allowance. She's talking about ironing the seam allowances in a certain way to make part of her design stand out. And in the paragraph following this, which you will read when you go and pick your, your piecing, expanding the basic post <laughs> off your shelf. She's talking about a coffee cup. She did a design with coffee cups. And the front rim of the coffee cup, the way she ironed the seam had nothing to do with piecing it to the next piece, but it had to do with her wanting that to come forward. Whereas the back part of the cup was pressed in a different way so it didn't come forward as much. 
she was using it to get death. Right. So piecing, the very basic thing that we do can create texture. Quilting, of course, especially when there are many lines close together, creates texture that you can feel. And then stitching with pearl cotton, even if you don't do the big stitch, any kind of stitching with pearl cotton will add a lot of texture to your quilt. Embroidery, such as especially French knots, they mm. are those wonderful little dots that you can put everywhere. Um, applique, all different kinds of applique. And you sometimes use layers to build up the design in applique. You see that a lot in Baltimore album quilts. Raw edge applique, the fibers of the fabric are, are coming apart, so they add some additional texture. They're fraying is what I should say. Right. And just all the kinds of applique that you can think of. Think of hand versus machine applique, for example. Well, and I was also thinking that with raw edge applique, it's, it is both a tactile and a visual texture because you can tell from a distance generally when something's raw edge applique because you see that, you know, the, the fraying is a slightly lighter color around the edge. And then, of course, if you were running your fingers over it, you could feel that. So that's a place where kind of the visual and tactile uh, textures uh, gray. They overlap. They they fuse into each other, so mm-hmm. to speak. Not to use an applique uh, metaphor there. <laughs> <Yeah>. using, <laughs> yes, and also the shadow that's created from raw edge applique is different mm-hmm. because of that fraying that's going on. Like you said, it was lighter. Right. So um, it may, the shadow might not be as dark. Well, and my friend Kate is working on an, an applique quilt, and she started out using one method. Hers is, um, she started out doing, if, if I can remember which way this goes, she started out doing uh, a machine applique technique and then switched to deciding she was going to do needle turn because she wanted that slight more puffiness that you got. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of that visual texture. She wanted it to look a little bit different. So that's another place where we need to kind of think through these from a textural perspective as we're starting to approach how we're going to create a certain design. And it sounds like she's not doing trapunto, but trapunto is another kind of way of adding texture to your quilt. Right. Although I wouldn't put it past her. She's trapuntoed. <laughs> she, <laughs> she likes to do things kind of to the nth degree. I often tease her about that, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if trapunto doesn't end up playing a role in this particular quilt she's working on at some point down the road. Well, you're going to have to get a photo of that because it's a great example for this episode. All right. Um, Ritching, I don't know if people know about Ritching. Um, Ellie Finkevitz kind of brought it back in some of her Baltimore album quilts. We use it to make flowers, I think, probably other things, but I know about it in terms of flowers on her quilts. Thread painting. I'm sure Tanisha can tell us a lot about this, but I saw a picture of a quilt when I was doing the research and the thread painting was, it made a heron, the bird. Mm-hmm. And it was so amazing. I really wanted to feel that quilt and I was getting a little irritated that it was just in a book because with all those tiny lines of, of regular stitching, it makes this sort of surface that you just want to touch. Right. Anyway. Um, also, if you think about the edge of your quilt and putting your thumb on the bottom and your 
the rest of your fingers on the top and just feeling it. That's that finished part of the edge. There's a whole bunch of different texture there. The binding, meeting the quilt, the quilting on the quilt. If you squeeze it, you can feel the batting. And couching, couching down threads. You take those wonderful yarns and different size threads that you can't always put through your machine and you zigzag them down to add texture. I think Carol Taylor does that in her quilts. Well, I know the first thing that comes to mind when I think of that is Karen Lee Carter, who I interviewed a couple of episodes ago. Um, Her dimensional flowers, she does a lot of couching and she uses a lot of different threads and embellishments and it's it's very much that same, both a visual texture and a tactile texture as well, if you were allowed to touch the quilts in the show, which we're not, but we've already talked about that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, maybe you can put a um, a link to her site, too. Wow, we just have all these links to add, don't we? All back and forth, yeah. Uh, um, beading, of course, and some of you might have seen my, my quote, Kissy Fish, which is so heavily beaded. I'll put that up as an example. Beads really add texture. Don't quilt after you bead. <laughs> That's your machine. Uh, cathedral window quilts. Prairie points are an example, and often we see prairie points on the edges of quilts, but I saw a really cool quilt called Autumn by Ludmilla Aristova that uses prairie points to create the trunks of trees, I think. I was looking at it in a book, so it was kind of hard to tell, but that's what I thought it was. And I'll put a link up to that. I found it on the web as well. And they were very tiny prairie points, too. Adding buttons, painting, we talked a little bit about that. You can really add texture if you use acrylic paint, but you don't want to sleep under a quilt that has been painted with acrylic. Other kind of embellishments, and when I think of other kinds of embellishments, I have this little um, metal thing. I, can't remember. I think it's a little handbag from Art Girls. I don't know if they're still in business, but they always had little metal embellishments that you could add to your quilt. And, of course, the mother of all embellishing is Crazy Quilt. Hmm. And, of course, just quilting in general the type of quilting you use really can change the texture of a quilt. A hand-quilted line looks a lot different than a machine-quilted line. Hmm. Well, and again, with that, one of the other examples that came to mind when you were talking earlier about quilting lines and texture is um, the portrait quilts, where the, the lines create the the moves, the face, you know, the curves of the cheeks and the, the eyes and everything, and it's it's very, very textural. And that's all just done through the quilted lines. Yes, that's that's another great example. So I couldn't help myself, but I did think up some homework this time. <laughs> Good. It's been a while since we've had homework. Let's lay it on them. <laughs> okay. So take out your most recent quilt or whatever quilt and see what kinds of texture you can find in it. Look for quilting. Look for embellishing. Just see what kinds of texture there is there. Okay, Noni, that. that means you. Noni, we want the blog entry. <laughs> You've been doing great at this, so. And this. everybody else. <laughs> yeah, but Noni has been doing a great job. 
the next thing is think about how texture will affect your work. Will the viewer immediately see the weave of the cloth? Or is it so smooth and tightly woven that it reflects the light? Can you use those qualities to evoke certain emotions or feelings? And this, for some reason, when I, during this whole research project on texture, I kept thinking about that fabric that you had from P&B Textiles that was more loosely woven. Um, I can't remember what it was. Um, oh, the, um, yeah, the uh, Sausalito. Sausalito, yeah. I was yeah. thinking ocean, ocean. and yep. <laughs> But Sausalito is on the bay, so I was getting there. <laughs> For some reason, that kept coming up, and I think it was just because of the way you described the weave. Mm -hmm. And then the last bit of homework is create similar compositions in different types of fabric. So maybe create something with two and a half inch squares, just something little in your plain woven cottons. And then create the same thing in velvet or brocade or satin and think about the feeling of it and the weave of the cloth and what what is evoked from those different pieces. And I didn't make that up. That was from Art plus quilt. Lyric and art again. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll put the resources that I use for this on the on the blog post. I think the other, it's, I would add a piece of homework because we kept talking about how you could add texture. I would say another fun homework thing would be to take, you know, a scrap of fabric, maybe something around eight inches square, or six inches square. You wouldn't need much space. That's just a single piece of fabric. And then see how you can give it texture. You know, can you quilt it? Can you embellish it some way? And how does that texture, it's the same thing. What kind of emotions or feelings or whatever could you create that way as well? Yes. You might need to use batting or some kind of interfacing so it doesn't pucker up. But right. the puckering could also The puckering be can be a, <laughs> that can be a texture. And then it's no longer a mistake. It's a design decision. And we always like that when that happens. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, so that's it for texture. I hope some people will put some texture out there into the world. <laughs> I really, I like thinking a lot about the texture and maybe it's the, the, you know, comes back to me wanting to hold the dice rather than use the cup and, I know I also had the same thing where I um, I played flute, you know, all the way through elementary and high school and, and much of college. And then I decided it wasn't a physical enough instrument for me. So I taught myself guitar. And I think it was the same thing. I really wanted the feel of the instrument and the strings and everything. I don't play guitar anymore either. But <laughs> it has to do with needing to touch. And I think for all of us as quilters, we experience that. You know, we all joke about petting fabric when you're in the store. Um, so we we need to address it as more of an actual design element rather than, oh, I just like to go touch fabric. Well, how do you convey that through your quilts in a larger way on the design field, as we learned in our last episode of your quilt? Okay. Yeah, and I'd be interested to know if how people deal with touch. Do they want to hold the dice? Do they want to go and touch the fabric before they buy it. It would be interesting. You had to do a kind of a study. 
Yeah. Um, my, my son's, um, doctor said that a lot of boys are very kinesthetic, which I thought was very interesting. Hmm. And so it'll be interesting to know how many women are. And since probably most of our listeners are women, not leaving out the boys, <laughs> definitely not leaving out the boys. Be interesting to know how many are kinesthetic learners. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, do you have any last words for us about texture? Go forth and create texture. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, Jay. Again, I appreciate it. And you'll have the blog post up. We'll coordinate whenever this is ready to go and um, get those links together so people can see more. And then, as we always say, please do, if you decide to analyze your your quilts or um, other quilts you see, although if you use images of other quilts, you do need to get permission, copyright issues. Uh, but post them on your blog and let us know. It's really interesting to see how people are thinking through what we're talking about. Yeah, I'm really interested in that, too. Thank you so much, Sandy. All right. Thanks a lot, Jay. Bye-bye. Bye. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. Thank you.